Did you know that light, just ordinary, simple, everyday light, the light coming from these chandeliers, the light coming from these candles, that light still baffles scientists to this day. Because it, un- it defies our understanding of physics. Because it exists not only as waves of energy, but it also exists as particles. Now, I'm not a science person. I barely passed my science classes in high school and college and the rest. But this seems to be impossible to physicists. In 1938, Albert Einstein observed about this phenomena of light existing as two uh, and two states that seemingly were oxymoronic from one another. He says, it seems that sometimes we must use the one theory when describing light, and sometimes the other. While at times we can use either, and so we're faced with a new kind of difficulty. We have two contradictory pictures of reality. reality. Separately, neither of them fully explain the phenomena of light but together they do. So in other words, what seems to us like a paradox, what seems to us like an impossibility, these two disparate views of physical reality, in fact, are one united truth. Now how that works, we don't know, but what we know is that it works and it is true. So light, physically speaking, defies our understanding of how the material world should work as, again, both wave and particle. Now, that's the end of my science lecture. I couldn't go much further than that, and as I look out at some of the people in the crowd, I'm a little nervous. I didn't even explain that well. But I think there's some wisdom in understanding this natural phenomenon. We get a little bit of revelation about how something else works. This both-and approach we have to the material world about physical light, I believe is the same approach we must have to the spiritual world about divine light. Now what, is that, what do I mean by that? Now as we just saw in our antiphonal reading of Scripture, we are also talking about the dual nature of light. Not merely physical, natural light that we're all familiar with, but metaphysical supernatural light. And somehow beyond our limited human ability to understand it, the light of creation is also the light of Christ. And so this Christmas Sunday, a season that has been all about light, I want us to think deeply on the meaning of the light of Christ. The eternal Son of God made mortal flesh for us. Word made flesh. So let's think about these two parts of Scripture and how they so beautifully, as you saw, interlock into one another. Now, Isn't it amazing as we just read those passages together how clearly they fit together? Although written by two different men for two different situations across two different continents and languages across hundreds of years and centuries and millennia even. And yet, 
we see so clearly that John is reflecting deeply on what Moses first wrote. But I'd even go further than that. It's not that John is just kind of riffing. I think John is showing us what Moses was really talking about in the first place. In other words, if you want a commentary, when we start up our Bible reading plan and, uh, and next week and you get to Genesis 1, if you want to know what's the importance of that passage, you already have it in the Bible. In John 1. When God creates and He speaks a word and light comes into existence, the significance of that, it's not just scientific, it's theological. It's spiritual. Because it tells us not about just creation, it tells us something about Christ. So it not only tells us that God created, but how He created through Christ. And surprisingly, why He created through Christ. For us. Now the Gospel of both Genesis and John tell the same story. This is amazing, folks. Think about this. God's glory as the immortal, infinite God only wise, His glory and our creation are bound up together. God is the one that originates that. That's not arrogant on our part to say because God is the one that chose to do that. And Christ is at the center of all of this. Not only as the, as the Creator, but stepping into creation Himself to be the Redeemer. And because Christ binds Himself to us eternally by adding to His perfect divinity our humanity, by faith in Him, in turn, we are bound to Christ. We are bound to God, both not just our soul, body and soul. Because He adds His divinity now to our humanity through Christ. The unbelievable truth of the Gospel is that because Christ is at the center of everything, like we read about in the book of Colossians, that Christ is at the pinnacle of history, of space, of time, of all these things. And because we are united to Him in faith, the body united to its head, the, the bride united to its groom, because this is true, He has drawn us up out of the bog, out of the mire of sin and death, out of the way this world works out of funeral homes, out of COVID wards, out of financial despair, out of emotional poverty. He has drawn us up out of those things into the glory of His salvation to reign at His side forever. And so just as physical light surprises us by being one reality, that can be observed in these two radically different ways. So then now as we read these passages with the same amazement, God has always intended for the light of creation and the light of Christ to come together into one truth, one reality. But Genesis shows us another truth too. God not only creates by the Word, but He Himself is the Word. 
Genesis reads this, in the beginning, God. That's our main character. That's the protagonist of these 66 books we've read through this year. In the beginning, God. But who is this God? We have our main character, but what is he all about? Well, you can read that he's the creator. We all know that story. And in some fundamental pagan sense, I think, everybody knows that there must be uh, something out there that made all this, if they're honest with themselves. We can see, for, as, as Paul tells us in Romans, that, uh, that there's something about the natural created order that we can't suppress it. There, God is something, someone out there. But who is he exactly? Genesis gives us a glimpse of that, but John completes the answer for us. In the beginning, God, we read in Genesis, but in John, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. God is both the speaker and the spoken Word. God the Father and God the Son, who are the Word, are somehow, as Jesus tells us all throughout the Gospel of John, they are one. They work in complete unison to bring about something from nothing. Order from chaos, light from darkness, and life from death. God the Father is the speaker. God the Son is the Word spoken. And God the Spirit is the breath who speaks the Word. When you speak as a human being, you use breath to form the words. It's all in one unison that that Word comes pouring out of your mouth. And it's a poor analogy, but we get a glimpse of the reality of who God is working in creation. God creates together, and God redeems together. See, a poor vision we have of this cross is that Jesus goes to it, and the Father utterly is ashamed and, 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 and has nothing to do with it, and the Spirit is nowhere to be found, but Father, Son, and Spirit had everything to do with this cross. Jesus wasn't sent here as divine child abuse. He went willingly by the decree of the Father and the empowerment of the Spirit. All three working together and the creation and the cross to redeem us. What does this God do when He speaks the Word? He speaks light out of darkness. But what kind of light? The light of space-time? The light that beams from the stars and illuminates from these candles? The light that disperses shadows and, and illumines the world around us? The light of fire? The light of lightning? The light of wave and particle? Yes! God does create that kind of light, but He cast also another light. John tells us that light was for the world that drives away the shadow of sin and the dark of death. That light was the light and is the light of men and women, giving birth, giving a new birth to them, rather, and a resurrection hope for all who believe. 
So God in Christ is the Word who creates all, and God in Christ is the light who gives life to all. And the most staggering thing of all, God in Christ became the Word made flesh. A baby who himself could not speak a word yet. The immortal Son of God became the Son of Man, born in a feeding trough with dirty shepherds and pagan wise men. That's how God enters our world, coming into us and all of our spiritual and social poverty. The Word without words born for us in humility in the dark of the year. The Son of Righteousness, light born into darkness. He is the One who existed before anything else existed. Before existence as a concept existed. And He existed above and outside and over the, wild, the wilderness and the waste and the nothingness before creation. But God spoke. And with that Word, He created light from darkness. Now some theologians posit, now how is this possible? Because day four comes around, sun, moon, stars, planets. Where did that light come from? Because God is the light. See, we don't need... See, uh, the, the, the pagans need there to be uh, a, a sun and a moon and stars and, and gaseous planets and, and, and rocky asteroids reflecting light in the sky. They need those things to be there first. But God is the first true light. All those things, He creates the heavens first and then He fills them up with the heavenly hosts. But theologians and scholars posit when God created light and separated from darkness, what He is doing is He's creating the very concept of reality itself. Creating the, the idea, the metaphysic of time itself. And He's the only thing that inhabits it at this point. And we know the rest of the passage, how beautiful it is. God creates space and matter to fill that space. He creates skies and seas and, 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 and respectively um, birds and fish to inhabit them. And He creates land and He puts plants and animals on it. And the crowning achievement of all is He makes an image of Himself, an icon of Himself. And He calls that icon man and woman, male and female, Adam and Eve. God creates them both as His image to rule and reign, having a peaceful and just dominion over this new existence that He's created. He created them to be a king and a queen and all of their children to be kings and queens who rule justly and compassionately over creation, making something out of this beautiful world that He gave us. Where we see the glory of God roar from the tiniest drop of water to the largest explosion of heat from the sun where the cattle sings His praises and the rivers play His hymns. 
But just as we know that beautiful story in, in Genesis 1 and 2, so do we know the tragedy of Genesis 3. Adam and Eve together, humanity in total, male and female, reject God's light and His Word, His grace and His wisdom, and plunge themselves and us into darkness and death. God created paradise for us, but we demanded hell instead. And so this year, is, as we look back at all the losses we faced, all the spiritual darkness we've been subjected to, and as we come on this beautiful morning, perhaps a, it's a little warmer than we'd like it to be, but we think, oh, what a wonderful day after Christmas. We begin our service with the, the news that one of our own is no longer with us. Reminding us that even in the midst of this joy and this festival is sorrow. The curse still abounds. We see that no matter how much we try to dress it up with carols and Christmas movies and shiny paper and, and evergreen trees slowly dying in the corner, we cannot quite hide the fact that this good earth that God created has been marred by our own sin. A world that we were supposed to rule is now ruling over us, killing and maiming us with viruses and tornadoes and everything else. A world we were supposed to govern now governs us, oppressing and extorting us with its corrupt politics and unjust violence and creeping diseases. All of this causes our hearts to ache. The world is broken and dying, and what hope do we possibly have in the shattering silence of death and blackness? The Apostle John and the Prophet Moses answer of one accord with a resounding reply, although our flesh was enslaved to sin, the word spoken over the darkness and disorder of Genesis 1 is spoken again into our world at Christmas time. The word that created this good world is now born into it in order to recreate it. God created it. We dragged it down to hell and He came again to create it even better than it was before. Notice what John says. This word is eternal with God and it is God. Everything that was created, everything was made in and through and by Him. And in Him was what? Life and light. Again, how was there light before the creation of the sun, the moon, and the stars, you ask? God was the light. The physical light. The spiritual light. That's when we get to the end of Revelation. We see a, a shocking new thing. The chaos waters that once swarmed over this planet are no more. Death is done. And the, and the sun 
hides its face and the moon hides its, its beauty because they are the lesser lights that are no longer needed because we come into this new Jerusalem, this new creation that covers this globe and the only light we need is emanating from a slain lamb now risen on the throne for us. And from His light, we reflect to all the known cosmos. From all the, 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 the tears and, and sorrows and wails and, 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 and all the things that we just draw us down into anguish, those things will be wiped away gently forever. And we'll only have light and life left. The Apostle tells us in verse 9 that this Word was the true light who came to illumine this entire world. Not just physically, but spiritually. And mystery of mysteries, the Word who created the world was now coming into the world He made. And scandal of scandals, the world didn't even recognize its Maker. Israel didn't even recognize the Messiah that she had been pining for and praying for in exile. Our world sees a child in a manger, even to this day, and doesn't understand what it means. It's a nice, warm, sentimental thought that we put on a Christmas card or in a Hallmark movie. Oh, isn't that nice? A little baby and a, and a highly lit manger scene where it's supposed to be outside but everybody looks pretty warm and cozy and, and Mary's got her makeup on and, and Joseph's doing well and they have clean sheep that are or they're coming in that are, are laying down and not making a single noise and, and oh, everything's so happy and sweet. Not at all the scene of the first Christmas where God invaded these shores by coming as a baby in the blackness of light, when Mary couldn't see her own hand in front of her face. And the only people that would come to worship the King of Kings were illiterate shepherds, unclean from society, superstitious by nature, pagan kings from a, a far-off land who didn't even believe in this God Yahweh once, came to worship. That's the world that God comes into. A mess a disaster. We didn't roll out the red carpet. We weren't singing carols for him. We were going on with our everything that's crushing us now. He had to send a choir of angels to greet him because none of us were ready to do it. Our world doesn't understand what a child in the manger means. And quite frankly, most of us, when we hear songs about uh, a baby in Mary's lap don't even care. It's so obvious that the blood of Adam and Eve courses through our veins and their same sin is in our hearts. We reject God's Word and His wisdom daily. We reject His light and glory, His life and grace all the time. We're just like our primordial parents We'd rather make images and idols of ourselves that always come crumbling down, that always end up betraying us than worship the God who gave us everything. That's who we are. 
That's the world that Jesus was born into. But friends, we are here this morning after a year of long darkness, after a year-long advent, of a year of waiting for a coming light, a, a, a year of waiting for a new word, a year waiting for a reborn world, and it has finally come into our midst and the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Hear this word spoken for you and believe it. Not the word of the pastor, not the word of the church, not the word of tradition, but the word made flesh. No matter your sins or your faults, or your shortcomings, or your doubts, or your disappointments. He comes to you now, right where you are, to give you the right to become God's child. To become an adopted sibling of the Son of God, of the Eternal Word. Who can be born anew, not by Adam's blood, or by Eve's will, but by God's blood shed by Jesus Christ. Perfect blood and His perfect will to save you. The Word became a human in Jesus and has now moved into your life. I like Eugene Peterson, how he renders this in his message, Bible and Commentary. God moved into our neighborhood. He, he, he set up His tent and our, the refugee camp of human existence. He left the throne to come be with the wanderers. So that by Him, wanderers could become kings and queens over New Jerusalem. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And He's with us in every moment, church. No matter how mundane or how thrilling. No matter how joyful or how sad. The glory of Christmas time is this. That the Word of the Father is now in flesh appearing. And He is full of grace and truth. For you. Let's pray. Father, bless your people this Christmas Sunday to take comfort and joy in the Word and in the light that is Jesus Christ, our God with us. For it's in His name and His name alone do we pray. Amen.